Ladies and gentlemen, it's bowl season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Bowl Betting Preview Part 3. I'm stuck in joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson. I hope uh, this cold is not a, a sign of things to come for our picks, but it's been a decent start for the podcast and bowls. Colin, I hope you're keeping warm and ready to get into uh, 11 bowls today. We're going to go from the military on December 28th through December 30th, Wyoming, Ohio. We'll save the Orange Bowl for part four, which will go all the way through the college football playoff and New Year's Day. So we got 11 games to cover, including your hogs. Colin, staying warm? No. Is anybody staying warm in the nation? I don't think so. That Armed Forces Bowl, it looked miserable. I think the one thing I'd like to throw out is like, as much as you and I have handicapped these games, the transfer portal and like the opting out is getting a little bit crazy. Rusty Stotts, the center for Western Kentucky, was in the portal, but he played for Western Kentucky, a big part of that offensive line. And then Siaka. That's two years in a row for Western Kentucky. A bunch of portal guys end up playing in the bowl. Yeah. And then Siaka Ika. The big defensive lineman that was needed by Baylor to stop the triple option attack of Air Force opted out the morning, like the morning of the bowl. It's, uh, this is a crapshoot here with who's going to play in these games. It, you hope that it evens out. Sometimes you take the number that you like, but sometimes it might depends on your risk tolerance level. But we're going to get to a couple games in this batch of bowls where there's a lot of opt outs. There's been uh, updates just from this morning. So let's hop right into it. Let's kick things off with. The Military Bowl in Annapolis, Maryland. The Military Bowl. Hey, you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Wednesday, December 28th, 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. UCF takes on Duke. Duke, a three, three and a half point favorite here, over under 62. I believe UCF originally opened as a three point favorite, and this line has swung the other way. Because I don't think there's been any Duke opt-outs or transfers, and UCF has had a few. Their cornerback, Devontae Brown, one of their best linebackers, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, and their wide receiver, Ryan O'Keefe, is also important in the run game. And then Mikey Keene, who I think just uh, said now he's going to Fresno State. Yep. He's gone. So the biggest question here, so obviously UCF, it's all right, they're going to be missing a couple key players on both sides of the ball. And Look, they've been in bowls lately. This is, I think this is still important for Duke. First-time head coach, really good year for the program, although they didn't beat a yeah, they didn't beat a, a team that made a bowl until the final week against Wake Forest, so the schedule wasn't great. But I think that from a motivational edge, from an opt-out edge, everything favors Duke there. I still would like UCF if I knew John Reese Plumlee was 100% healthy, which we do not know. And, you know, he, he not only does he need to be, you know, he might play, but I need to know that he can run and he can run at full strength, full speed. And there's always the risk that with a hamstring that he could tweak it at any point in time. So, you know, this line is creeped out a bit. There is a lot of uncertainty with Plumley because if Plumley can't go, now there's no more keen and you're down to your third string quarterback in, I think, Castellanos, who didn't fare too on very limited action this year so what do you see here in the military bowl yeah things are going really well for duke and you can see it in the market this thing which i mean if this was played during the regular season you'd make ucf a favorite by more than a little bit more than a field goal but now you're seeing this heavy steam on duke and maybe for good reason i mean mike elko a a pretty successful first year eight and four straight up and against the spread uh he had a some big winners in the transfer portal already he's got four kids that were three stars didn't lose any significant players here. So there is a lot of steam behind this Blue Devils football program. And with Duke, you have to worry about the ground attack. Top 20 in line yards and stuff rate led by Jordan Waters. Averages 3.3 yards after contact. And Jaquez Moore is the change of pace elusive back that's 4.3 yards after contact. And then saying all that, there's Riley Leonard who has 700 rushing yards a season, half of them coming off scrambles. They extend drives like crazy. And, you know, UCF defense severely struggles in creating a pass rush. Now they lose their linebacker, Jeremiah Gene Baptist. Defensive back Devontae Brown is in the portal. Uh, you know, the new D.C. is Addison Williams. Uh, the defensive coordinator for UCF took off. He's now the new Arkansas uh, defensive coordinator. That's Travis Williams there. And you mentioned Mikey Keene being gone. It's all on John Reese Plumlee. 
you know, there was backup Thomas Castellanos got some action versus Tulane, the AAC championship game. But Plumlee's going to have three weeks to fully recover. And anybody with a hamstring, it's generally three to four weeks. But we don't know if he's going to take off. That's the big unknown. If you see that, I mean, I am suggesting, yes, take a Duke bet here. It is overinflated. It is oversold in the market. You see John Reese Plumlee take off out of the tackle box in one of the first, like in the first drive. You may want to start looking at your live options here. Uh, UCF just doesn't have the ability to stop the explosive play on the ground defensively. Duke does. That's the big thing in the advanced numbers here. Duke has a defense that can stop ground explosiveness. You have to have that if Plumlee is healthy. Uh, so that is the key to this game, and I think Duke wins outright. Yeah, I would tend to agree. And we don't even know if like Plumlee maybe just says, look, let's this game doesn't mean much just to sit out. Um, that could happen as well. I mean, he did say he's coming back next season. Um, but it's, you know, the military bowl against Duke. Mike Elko is one of the best defensive minds in all of college football. He's got a month to prepare for this UCF team that won't have uh, an important piece and their defense missing a couple pieces. So yeah, I agree. Line is inflated, but I would lean Duke here. And if Plumlee can't go or is hampered, then I, I think Duke ends up blowing UCF out. Uh, all right, let's move on to our second bowl game, one that I have much more conviction on, and that's the AutoZone Liberty Bowl between Kansas and our Kansas. The Liberty Bowl. And I never got what a wonderful thrill Just to be down in Memphis, Tennessee M-E-M-P-H-I-S Memphis is the kind I mean uh, This is the, the Kansas Bowl between your boys and the Jayhawks. Arkansas minus two, two and a half here, over under 69. Nice. This game's in Memphis, Tennessee, Wednesday, December 28th, 530 Eastern on ESPN. A lot of news here with Arkansas. I'll let you get to them, all the opt-outs. Um, but a lot of defense. Uh, there's a bunch on offense. Nothing really to report for Kansas, who's in their first bowl game since forever. And... I think they'll be highly motivated. I love Lance Leopold as a coach for preparation. These are two defenses that were really poor during the year, but uh, I trust the Kansas offense more based on everyone that's opted out. And by the way, this Kansas offense averaged 6.9 yards per play against a, um, a schedule of defenses that was, would have given up five, about five and a half against an average FBS opponent. Their offense was excellent all year. You might get Daniel starting all game. Their offense was just as good with Jason Bean. I don't even think it really matters. Daniels does bring an extra element of running to the table. But, look, I, I think that Kansas really cares about this bowl. This is one of my motivation monsters I had circled. And in a battle of two bad defenses, uh, I'll take the team that doesn't have, you know, Look, you look at Arkansas's defense, you're, you're going to talk, I'll let you talk about some of the opt-outs, but they're going to miss Drew Sanders, his pass rushing ability. Same with Bumper Pool. That's massive. Um, you know, you already lost Miles Slusher. And then, you know, you have defensive tackle that's out and Isaiah Nichols. On the offensive side, you're missing your star center, um, you know, a couple key wide receivers, a tight end. I mean, it is, uh, there's a lot of, lot of key pieces missing for Arkansas. I'm not sure that the same motivation level will still, will be there as much as Kansas. Give me the Kansas offense in this matchup. They're going to give up some points here, but uh, I think Kansas comes out on top. Do you disagree? Are you going to are you going to battle me with your hogs? <laughs> no, I mean I don't even recognize some of these names that I've got in my script here. I mean this is a defense optional bowl. Bumper pool, Drew Sanders. You mentioned they're not there at linebacker. That's a huge drop off to what they have behind them. Defensive coordinator Barry Odom is gone. He went to UNLV. Yeah. I can't even wait for our Mountain West preview to talk about how much I love Bobby Petrino and whatever it is they pull in there. But, you know, these names that I've got on this list, Chris Poo-Paul, true freshman Jordan Cook, Manny Powell, sophomore Jackson Woodward. These are your new linebackers. These are your starters for this game. Two of those players have never recorded a tackle. Paul and Crook have just a total of 16. Uh, Arkansas's defensive backs, they're also putting out freshmen. All you hear from the practice reports are energetic, energetic, energetic. They had no experience here. Uh, no coordinator to to manage them. And defensive tackle Isaiah Nichols, this was the guy that was supposed to come in and replace John Ridgeway from that great team Arkansas had last year. 
He had 12 starts in the trench. He hit the portal. He's gone. So, I mean, it is a complete scrap, like a blank chalkboard with, with the Arkansas defense. And the youth movement continues on the offense. Wide receiver Jaden Hazelwood's gone. Trey Knox is gone. Keytron Jackson, Warren Thompson. Who's KJ Jefferson going to throw to? I mean, he has Matt Landers. Uh, the most experienced target after that is eight catches by freshman Bryce Stevens. Center Ricky Stromberg, the big part of that offensive line that we can back with Raheem Sanders, he's gone. So, you know, it's the – And the Kansas run defense is much better than their pass defense. It, look, it's a bad defense all, all over. But their run defense is a little better than their pass defense. And with all the receivers options that are gone from Arkansas, that's big because I assume Arkansas is going to run it even yeah. more now in this bowl game. And Kansas can at least battle – a little bit, whereas their secondary is really poor. But yeah, the, the Arkansas defense is a, a, an absolute shell of itself. And and Sanders and poor, they, these are, I mean, Sanders could go in the first round. And I think these are massive losses. Well, I think the other thing about Kansas, the fact that can't, why can Kansas win this game offensively? They, and Pittman said this in his presser, they are scary as hell. Heavy motion, reverse, counters, shotgun. Pistol, it, I mean, they have so many different variations. When you throw Bean in the mix, the fact that the guy can throw from anywhere uh, and Jalen Daniels is fully healthy, Kansas is going to have things that these new freshman linebackers that don't know how to deal with motion and reverses and counters, Kansas is going to score a ton of points. Arkansas can combat that, but I have a feeling this is just – I have an over. My money down in this game is an over. I would stop buying at 69. Uh, I do think this is a great live trading game. But I just – this Arkansas defense that they're rolling out is literally a bunch of kids that just started shaving and have no experience whatsoever. Yeah, I I, I love – I don't mind the over. I love Kansas. And, yeah, the misdirection, this Kansas staff, what they scheme up. And and the one of the most – that they have a month now, and this is like a really important game for the program, right? You're playing an SEC team in a bowl game. Uh, this program is on the rise. You can expect the kitchen sink here. And they can design some plays. And I th- the trickiest, so yeah, with all the misdirection, uh, with all those young young pieces in, on the Arkansas defense, I, it's going to be really tough for the Razorbacks. And one of the, I think, things that makes the Kansas offense so deadly besides the, the coaching. And look, they just, they don't take negative plays. Um, it, it's, you go back to Buffalo days with Leopold. They never, no, no sacks and just, they really stress, like, let's not take negative plays, stay ahead of the chains. And then it's just a brilliantly designed offense. But they don't rely on any one per- person. I mean, you look at their targets, you're, all the pieces are really interchangeable. So it's a really tough offense to prepare for. I think they're going to have a lot of wrinkles here, and the opt-outs are going to be too much for Arkansas. I will say this. I took some plus four and some more plus three. I still like it now. Now, if you – this is something to just keep in mind – if you see a plus two, plus two and a half out there, and you might say, hey, let me take the money line, disagree. I'd say take the plus two, plus two and a half. And the reason for that is, look, Candace's defense is, is bad, and this could be a shootout. And if Arkansas or Kansas ties the game late with a touchdown, you better believe they're going for two, right? They're not – and that's what happens at bowl games. No one's going to play for overtime in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, so when there's a, and this is kind of one of my bowl betting rules, when you have a, a favorite of like one and a half to two, take the money line. If you have an underdog of, you know, one and a half, two, two and a half, take the points because of that. You're not going to, no one's playing for overtime here. At the end of the game, if Kansas scores, you better believe they're going for two. So I'd rather have those two points in my pocket. But rock chalk. Rock chalk jail. That's that's how I know you know that they're going to lose. <laughs> Listen, Pittman's focused on 2023. I'm focused on 2023. I was pretty confident that you weren't going to make a strong case for Arkansas because uh, I think that you would be at the Liberty Bowl if you were going to. All right, let's move on to our third bowl game. This is also on Wednesday, December 28th, 5.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. The Holiday Bowl. North Carolina takes on Oregon. Oregon is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite over under 74. This is the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, obviously in San Diego, California. Oregon, no Kenny Dillingham calling plays, the offensive coordinator. He left for Arizona State. 
their opt-outs. They lose their top corner, Christian Gonzalez, and then their top defensive end, DJ Johnson. UNC opt-outs, their star wide receiver, Josh Downs. UNC transfers, basically all, their entire secondary. Um, so here's the – and then they have coordinator changes. Now that it's out above 14, I'm tempted by UNC – my thinking is, look, Downs is out. That's big. But you have Drake May who said he's coming back. He's going to play here. They Their offense was able to put up points early in the season um, without Josh Downs. Now, they struggled down the stretch because everyone just started dropping eight. The Oregon, so they have a month to, you know, come up with some solutions to that. But the Oregon pass is horrendous. Now they're going to be without their top pass rusher, their top corner. And what I keep asking myself is – and look – they should be able to score. So, like, getting over 14, like, if they're down 21 late, then that's a blowout. And then you can get a touchdown to cover. I think it's starting to creep out too much. But how bad is the UNC defense going to be? You know, they lose all their secondary, and, like, it's really talented guys. But they were awful all year. Like, could can it get any worse? Can the UNC defense possibly get any worse? So, has this line gone too far? I'm starting to – Lean UNC, I don't feel great about it. I know you took an early number on Oregon. Both quarterbacks going to play or Bo Nix is going to play. Bo Nix season in full effect. Is UNC just a mess? Like, is all this mass exodus on defense just not a good sign of what's going on with the program? What do you see here with um, UNC Oregon? I think the big problem that you have is like Phil Longo leaving his offensive coordinator. We have not identified who is calling plays for North Carolina. Uh, you know, Drake May has turned down what I'm hearing. You know, Pat Narduzzi said $5 million. Uh, so Drake May is still going to be around. He doesn't have Josh Downs, Bryson Nesbitt, and Anton Green are next up, 110 total targets. Uh, but, you know, both are over two yards per route run. So you would expect that explosiveness to still be there in the passing game. So what you're trying to do is, is handicap whether that backdoor is going to be there. And the number is completely overinflated, completely oversold. But you're depending on the defense to what? Get some stops? Because if Oregon's going to get 10 possessions in this game, they have a possibility of scoring 70 points. So you're trying to assess whether or not UNC is going to get, you know, over 50 or over 40 in this game. Maybe better to take a, a team total than trying to keep up with Oregon, who I think is going to have gained every single available yard after kickoff. I don't think they're going to have any problems getting the scores in. And if Bo Nix is completely healthy from his ankle issues and he is mobile on the ground, uh, that's just going to be way too much for North Carolina to keep around. Uh, UNC is missing a lot on defense. Tony Grimes, Storm Duck from the secondary. They had 17 forced incompletions this season. That's nearly half of the entire North Carolina total and forced incompletions. So I expect no resistance on that Oregon offense. If you think North Carolina can keep up, I would suggest the team total because you just don't know if the defense is going to get any stops whatsoever. Um, I think 43 and a half is what I'm seeing on a team total for Oregon. So it's hard not to see the Ducks flirting with a 50 burger here. Uh, the over is only in question because UNC is losing their best target in Phil Longo. I think well, and also- yeah, and is Oregon just going to drop eight like like people did to UNC in the last couple of weeks, and UNC just was lost um, on offense, which is a question. But this or what this Oregon D like fourteen and a half in a bowl game is yeah. that's uh, it just it makes it tempts me. And like the UNC D's not getting any stops. Like yeah, they lost the, their secondary, but I don't think they were getting any stops anyway. So like I. It, you don't even care about that. They're 110th in, in defensive finishing drives. I mean, there's and they're 120. I'm, they're they're outside the top 100. A lot of things that you need to be able to stop a potent offense like UNC. Uh, I think the question is, is like, are you more safe with the team total than you are trying to keep up with Bo Nix, who's starting his Heisman campaign here? Uh, I think maybe the best bet in this is when we see some props on Bo Nix himself. A rushing prop. If, he, if the ankle's healthy. He'll eclipse a rushing prop that may be depressed because of what he did the last three games of the season without mobility. So I would keep your eyes open for that as well. Well, well, Oregon missed, well, Dix in particular, we've seen him struggle in the sandwich in between Dillingham, right? Like he, he was at his best when he was with Dillingham before and then reunited. He's no longer there to call the plays. Any impact there? Assistants Junior Adams and and Drew Meringer are going to call the plays here. Uh, and, you know, every analytic is in Oregon's back pocket. You would think that those two assistants are not going to veer far off from what Kenny Dillingham was calling. I, I wouldn't suspect that they do anything different. 
And I'm not really sure that Bo Nix is not calling his own plays at the line, which I know has happened frequently this year for Oregon. So um, I, I'm not sure how big of a loss Dillingham actually is in this one game scenario. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's move on to the fourth and final bowl on Wednesday, December 28th, and that's the Tax Act Texas Bowl. The Texas Bowl. So wrong's enough that both are faded love and let's all dance. If you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. Texas Tech and Ole Miss. Ole Miss three, three and a half point favorite, over under 69 and a half. This game will be played 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN on Wednesday night. News first, Texas Tech portal, their safety, who plays their star position, Pearson, is in the portal. One of their defensive linemen, kind of a depth piece, but plays also. And then Tyree Wilson, who was uh, even a second in the Big 12 in sacks, he uh, is hurt. So he's – and then he declared for the NFL draft. He got hurt in week 11. Ole Miss, you know, they had a couple guys in the portal who aren't really big contributors. The rest of the team is in here. They have no one gone and opting out. They have no one really gone to the NFL. Where everything I've read, both these teams are going to care. Most of the teams are going to play. Like I'm looking forward to this game, and I love the over. I think this is – first of all, this is the trillion plays bowl. I, both these teams want to run as many plays as possible. You are going to get just – you want a lot of plays, chances for points, and I, I think you're going to have you know some Lane Kiffin specials, and you're, you're going to see – a million fourth down attempts in this game. A million. Uh, and I think both offenses have major advantages. Now, Texas Tech off offense struggled at times because of quarterback injuries. But it looks like Baron Morton is healthy. Tyler Shuck, it looks like it's going to get the start. But you could see some Morton. And Shuck was hurt. And, you know, he came back from injury. He was rusty as hell. You could see that in his first couple games back. But he came, in his final game of the season, uh, he threw for 430 yards against Oklahoma and, um, you know, he his rushing stats started to bump up, too. So I think he's fully healthy now. And, you know, he has a really talented arm. The Texas Tech offensive line is not great, which has kind of held back their offense at times. But the Ole Miss defensive line is also really bad. Ole Miss trended down second half of the season. Their defense is not that great. Uh, I think Texas Tech's defense also can be had here. This is just – as me- you're going to see fourth downs – this is like the, your prototypical bowl. And I think both teams will care. It'll be in Houston, Texans, Texas. I don't think I'll have to worry about weather. Um, I, yeah, this is this is over for me. This is a fun bowl, and I would lean taking the points with uh, the Red Raiders. But, yeah, I'm going to sit down the night of December 28th and just – it's going to be a blissful – well, hopefully it goes blissfully. But uh, at first, it'll be a blissfully experience of – Hey, I got over 69 and a half with these two teams that are just going to run as many plays as humanly possible. Let's have some fun. That's what I'm doing in the Tax Act, Texas Bowl. What say you? It's Texas Tech all the way for me. There's Joey McGuire is building steam in this program, uh, not just with how they finish the season, with what he's doing in the portal, uh, with what they are doing from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, Texas Tech is going to be such a buy in 2023. Uh, they finished top 25 in defensive rushing success rate this season. They're ranked top 35 in defensive finishing drives. And that really doesn't do the Red Raiders justice because they finished ninth in red zone D. It doesn't even matter when a team crosses the 40. Once they get past the 20, Texas Tech has been great at stopping opponents. 43% of opponent red zone attempts have ended in a touchdown. I mean, they have been great at keeping six off the board. Losing Tyree Wilson was big from a pass rush perspective, but he was only the eighth best run defender in PFF grading. Uh, and of the 83 tackles for loss, Wilson had just 14 of those. So there's still a lot of talent outside of him on this Texas Tech defense. And Ole Miss, you know, we've said this all year long. It really increased how much they run the ball. 62% riding freshman Quinshawn Judkins. Texas Tech does give up explosive runs. They're outside the top 100. There's no denying that you can get a big explosive play, but at the same time, they can't stop you at the line of scrimmage. Ole Miss finished outside the top 90 in red zone efficiency. That is a huge concern. Like Ole Miss can have these great drives, these great rushing, these chunk plays, but Texas Tech has been so legit behind the 20, that, and that's where Ole Miss has floundered this year. So can Ole Miss finish these drives and get points on the board? A big, a big question. Now, when you go to the other side of the ball, in my opinion, it's the biggest reason why Texas Tech will have no problem scoring points at will, no matter if it's Tyler Shug, no matter if Bear Morton's healthy. 
Offensive coordinator Zach Kitley is going against Ole Miss defensive coordinator Maurice Crum. These two were on the staff at Western Kentucky last season. And if you go and you read between the lines, whether you want to do message boards or you want to do pressers, uh, Zach Kitley is going to have no problems calling an offense against Maurice Crum since he knows exactly everything, the scheme that's ran, the blitz packages, the naming convention, everything that Ole Miss does on defense, Kitley knows. Uh, and that is such a huge advantage here. So, you know, and Kitley's two years removed from coaching in Houston for Houston Baptist with Bailey Zappi two years ago. Bailey Zappi. And, you know, Suge looks healthy. Nine scrambles his last two games. Uh, you know, he didn't play. He's only had six games, but, you know, he saved his best for the Oklahoma defense in the season finale. He had 436 passing yards. This is full steam ahead on the Raid, Red Raiders here, and they are a huge buy team in 2023. Yeah, don't mind the Texas Tech side. And I also love the over. So hopefully we can have some fun in the Texas Bowl. It'll be a fast track, too. And don't think that anybody's letting up here because Joey McGuire, he wants to own the state of Texas and he yeah, always has as a high school coach. Yeah. I mean, there's no letting off here. And Lane Kiva doesn't know how to let off. So, right. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Thursday. And let's start with the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. The Pinstripe Bowl. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it. New York, New York. Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Feels weird to say that. It should be the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparil Bowl. Syracuse, Minnesota. Minnesota, 10-point favorite here, over under 42. This game will be played at Yankees Stadium in the Bronx, 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, Thursday afternoon. Syracuse opt-outs. Their star tackle, Matthew Bergeron, declared for the NFL draft he won't play. And running back Sean Tucker, obviously one of the best backs in the country, is also out. Transfer portal, their wide receiver, Courtney Jackson. Defensive end, Steve Linton. Their starting quarterback, Darian Chestnut. They already lost uh, one of their best cornerbacks to an injury early in the season. They also lost their offensive coordinator, uh, Robert Anay. He went to was going to go to NC State. Quarterback coach Jason Beck, who really highly respected, he'll take over play calling. Don't think it's a huge transition there. New defensive coordinator, though. They hired Rocky Long, but he won't be, he won't come on until after the bowl. So there's a lot of changes for Syracuse. Minnesota, they do lose a safety, Michael Dixon, and uh, linebacker Braylon Oliver. Two pretty important pieces on that defense. Um, you know, when I look at this game, I just the Syracuse run defense all year was horrendous. And so some of it's just by scheme and the way that they play. And that's not great against uh Mo Ibrahim and this Minnesota offensive line. And if you look, like Syracuse outside the top 100 rush success rate, EPA per rush, 125th in stuff rate, 117th in line yards, 124th in opportunity rate. Minnesota's offensive line, basically top 20 across the board in all those categories, and they run it at a top five rate nationally. It's a team that wants to run the ball, run it some more, and run it again. So they should be able to move the ball on the ground, which might end up being the difference. They also have big success rate differences on third and fourth downs on both sides of the ball. Two solid kickers in this game for what it's worth. Maybe weather worth looking into. But the question for me is, what does Sarah, because this total is 42. I think Minnesota will be able to move the ball on the ground what does Syracuse do? They've been talking about, you know, Garrett Trent is talking about how fun practices have been, how the offense is just hitting it. Like, they're going to come out and air this out and maybe go fast. Now, Minnesota is a snail. They're going to run the ball, and they are a snail snail. But Syracuse, they might come out here and just go high, up-tempo, start chucking the ball around. There's no Sean Tucker. Uh, so, you know, and I think Minnesota could be the ball. Maybe, and look, bowl totals when they're under 45 – Overs historically have been a great bet. It, teams play a lot looser, and you know you'll see trick plays. Teams go for it more on fourth downs. So maybe this is a you know an over under the radar over. I mean Minnesota overs are ugly, but what do you see here, and what do you expect most importantly from the Syracuse offense now that Sean Tucker and their star tackle aren't there? Yeah, I mean. You cannot underestimate what Sean Tucker was to this offense with 324 rushing attempts this season. If you take his rushing attempts 
and you take Garrett Schrader's 38 scrambles because, you you know, scrambles are not designed. You don't know when they're going to happen. That is 75% of Syracuse's rushing attempts. Massive loss. Now, yeah. you look back there and you say, Lakeen Allen, he has explosive numbers. He can run the ball. Go and look at his 180 yards. 112 of them came against Wagner, right? I mean, the numbers that he has, the minimal ones he has, it came from one game. And the Minnesota defense finished 10th in rushing success rate. They're absolutely going to shut down any attempts to run the ball. So I get it. I mean, Garrett Schrader may be giving away the game plan here, but you're going to go after a Minnesota defense. It, it, I mean, they're excellent at defending the pass also, but they lose their two key contributors at safety and Michael Dixon, Stephen Ortiz. They're both in the portal here. So Syracuse, that's, that is one sneaky way that I would look at the over here. I think- and also they haven't played, you know, the greatest, uh, schedule of of passing offenses for what it's worth yeah yeah and i mean i would project this game to be 49 so i think i might be on the over by the time you and i get done talking about this but uh, i think uh, another thing that you want to look at that that i'm trying to handicap is a relationship between dino babers and pj fleck you have to remember these were two mac coaches that played against each other 2014 2015 they traded wins against each other the very next season when they had their they had their uh current positions at Minnesota and Syracuse, they were both on ESPN film room during the national championship, extremely chummy with each other. They had a zoom call last week and it was nothing but respect and chummy with each other. There is a very good, I mean, PJ Fleck can rub people the wrong way, but his relationship with Dino Babers is actually very healthy and very positive. So I'm not sure it's something where, you know, cause PJ Fleck has been in bowls before. There are two previously he's been in where he just ran it up ran it up as hard as he could. And so I think that's the question here. If Syracuse can't defend the rush and Minnesota wants to grind the clock, it really matters for the back door here with a number that's hanging between seven and a half and nine and a half. I don't think Fleck will run it up here, but that's just looking at situations where he's been one-on-one with Dino Babers over the past seven years. So I do like the over here. I think I think Minnesota absolutely is going to be able to run all over. Maybe a first half bet I think is more appropriate. Uh, I am a little bit worried about the safeties missing for that Gophers defense uh, and that's exactly where Syracuse is going to go. So, um, yeah, and, and Minnesota also doesn't get any pressure. They're bottom 10 in sack rate, and that has killed Syracuse all year because their offensive line is basically bottom 10 in sack rate. So maybe they'll finally have some time to throw up because that is the one thing that Minnesota's defense does not do. They do not get any pressure. Do we expect Tanner Morgan to play for Minnesota? I mean, that's, I mean, the question is still out there. I mean, there could yeah. be a, that morning opt out thing. So, Definitely, I would keep my ears open. I would buy Syracuse at 10 if it was on the board right now. No reason to act in a dead number, and I do like the over. Uh, but, you know, if Tanner Morgan's not playing, then that really kind of makes Minnesota one-dimensional. So, um, I don't I, I don't know. I think I'm gonna, more I've talked myself into it, I think I'm going to lay money in on the over on this 41-and-a-half. Yeah, I, I don't mind it either. I, and I don't think the Minnesota quarterback matters that much in this case. I think they're just going to run it like, yeah. at will. And their backup, the the Greek kid, I forget, name escapes me at the moment. Uh, he had a really good game uh, to to close out the season throwing the ball. Syracuse finished 125th in defensive stuff rate. They can't stop the run. I mean, Minnesota's yeah. plan of attack is 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 out there. So it just yeah. matters if Syracuse can combat by throwing straight at those safeties. Yeah. All right. Before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. 
Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, let's move on to the Cheez-It Bowl. The Cheez-It Bowl. Who's ready to show them who's the cheesiest? I woke up feeling the cheesiest, coach! Cheez-It! Cheez-It, official sponsor of the college football playoff. I'm feeling the cheesiest. Uh, Oklahoma versus Florida State. Florida State's a nine, nine and a half point favorite over under 66. This game's in Orlando, Florida, Thursday, December 29th, 5.30 Eastern on ESPN. Oklahoma opt-outs are major. Their star running back, Eric Gray, is out. Both starting tackles opted out as well in Harrison and Morris. Defensive lineman, Jalen Redman. Uh, Theo Weiss in the transfer portal. I don't think that that list is done. I don't think that there's any names that are impactful for Florida State. I think motivationally, this favors Florida State. Although Norvell is 0-4 against the spread in bowls. But uh, it's hard to see Oklahoma with some of these opt-outs and everything that I'm reading for Florida State uh, keeping this close. I think this is Knowles or nothing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think the, I drive by the Schusterman Center, which is University of Oklahoma's medical uh, college here in Tulsa every day. Uh, and the, the box of Cheez-Its is still in the statue's uh, uh, little bowl there. So I think that's interesting. Even through the storms and everything, it's still there. Usually they fill that thing with oranges and cotton, but uh, it's filled with Cheez-Its now. Um, listen, there's plenty of reasons for this Florida State steam. Jordan Travis has confirmed himself for not just for this bowl, but for next season. I think that's had a trickle down effect on the roster. A lot of people are staying here. OU's losing lead running back Eric Gray. Both starting offensive tackles are out for Oklahoma. Those are monster losses. And the Sooners defense, it just it never panned out. And we said this in our Big 12 preview back in the summer that a Brett Venables defense has to have a leader at linebacker to get the guys lined up, to call the right plays, to whatever, to read the signals that are coming in from the sideline. And that's just a huge problem with this defense. Um, you know, and Venables has been quoted. We just don't have the depth. Uh, and so, you know, Oklahoma couldn't generate a pass rush. Uh, they did finish fifth in tackles for a loss. I found that the most interesting, like no pass rush, but they were in everybody's backfield. Defensive tackle Ethan Downs finished the season with 13 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, and the Sooners also finished top 20 in passes defensed. So they have havoc in those places, but they just can't get any pressure on the quarterback. Uh, and Oklahoma was just not good against rush explosives. And that is a staple of the Florida State offense is having big gains on the ground. And Trey Benson is just an absolute video game numbers the entire season. He's going to tear this OU defense apart. He averaged seven yards a carry, 4.8 after contact. And he forced 77 missed tackles. Uh, and by the way, 44 of his 141 carries were first downs. Guys, just a first down machine. Um, and so really, the OU offense, even without their tackles, all they are is the Dylan Gabriel Marvin Mim show. So this handicap comes down to whether the Seminoles can stop that passing connection. FSU defense was serviceable against the pass. They were inside the top 40 in coverage and defending the big play. Uh, but the OU efficiency takes a huge drop in passing downs. They have not been able to do anything. on. And now you don't have your ta starting tackles against yeah. Jared Verse and company. And, and Florida State already had in the numbers a huge advantage in third downs on both sides of the ball. So this is a Florida State play all the way. The higher that number gets, I think it, you'd play it a little bit lighter. Uh, but this is uh, this is going to be a very limited offense, which has had to support a very terrible OU defense the entire season. Yeah, and Gray has been just a, a monster for them all year. Probably one of the most underrated seasons by a running back because Oklahoma struggled. But he's been great, and he opted out along with your two starting tackles. This feels like a Florida State route. Uh, first half, I think maybe he, you get a better number in the first half, though, Stuck. I think – let me look at it. Four and a half? That's pretty doable. Yeah, I don't mind first half. I don't mind full game. Uh, I think it's Knowles or nothing here. And, I, and and like I said, I don't think that, that these are the last of the opt-outs for Oklahoma. I think you might get a few more. And from everything that I'm hearing and reading, it's like Florida State is cares about this game, and everyone is uh, a full go. Venable's got wow. to clear roster space to get more recruits in. You know, I mean, they had a good little push during recruiting, got up into the top ten. A lot of these people, these uh, – places that grade these teams um, and OU popped up into the top 10 and Venable's got to create space. So you might, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think the portal is done for Oklahoma. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the final game on Thursday in prime time. The Alamo bowl. That man wherever they go will remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. 
the Valero Alamo Bowl. This game will be played in the Alamo Dome, San Antonio, Texas, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Between Washington and Texas, Texas four-point favorite here over under 67 and a half. Obviously, location favors Texas being in the state of Texas, but Texas has the more meaningful opt-outs, including arguably the best running back in the country, B. John Robinson. Also, running back, Roshan Johnson. You know, your third string running, you're down to your third string running back was like really small, more uh, your your bell cow here is probably going to be a freshman or or two. Also, linebacker DeMarion overshone, and their depth at linebacker is really weak. Washington, meanwhile, looks like everyone's going to play. Uh, Michael Penix wants to play in a bowl, going to come back, and uh, they finished red hot. They finished as hot as anyone in the country. Location favors Texas, but opt-outs favor Washington. I think motivation favors Washington. Coaching favors Washington. And then from a matchup perspective, the Texas run defense was great all year. Doesn't really matter here. Washington doesn't run the ball. And, yeah, Washington can throw the ball in Texas here. I think they'll have success doing so. Now, Washington, I mean, they're one of those pass-heavy teams in the country. Now, Washington's defense is also really bad. Um, but not having to go up against Bijan Robinson will obviously help. I think Texas will obviously get their fair share of points here unless, and this is always a risk because Michael Pettis is way more consistent this year than Quinn Ewers. You have one of those Quinn Ewers vomit games. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me not, I haven't bet this yet and I'm hoping you convince me. It's hard for me not to make a case and end up taking plus four here. Well, I might make a case that you're going to take money line. So let me try. I, I mean, there's no Bajan Robinson or Roshan Johnson. And what that means from a stat standpoint is you're taking away 88% of the first downs on the ground this season from the Longhorns. I don't know how they're going to get to move the chains unless we got the Quinn Ewers show, but what kind of Quinn Ewers are we getting? Hudson cards in the portal. There is zero depth at quarterback here behind Quinn Ewers. If he has a bad game, there's just nothing they can do about it here. Uh, Ewers seemed to get worse as the season went on. A 7-1 to TD to INT ratio during the OU and Iowa State games in the middle of the season Final two games against Kansas and Baylor, just one TD, an average depth of target dip from 11 to 5.7 in those two games. I mean, the average, the, the dot really shocked me when I put out Quinn Ewers' numbers. 10, 11, an average around 11, and then the final two games, 5.7. What's going on there? Is there an injury? Can he not go downfield? Has he been limited in putting it downfield? And that would make me extremely uncomfortable backing Texas here. Washington does have a top 25 pass rush. Ewers didn't have a single TD when he was under pressure this season. He had double the turnover worthy plays. Then he had big time throws when he had a crowded pocket. He just can't handle pressure. Maybe it's a freshman thing. Maybe he's better next year, but that's going to be an issue against Washington that does get pressure on the quarterback. Now on the other side of the ball, yes, defensive coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski gets to go against his former program led by Michael Penix, who's going to be back next year. Um, the second leader, leading tackler, you mentioned Demarion Overshone has opted out. Uh, linebacker Jalen Ford is practicing, but he's also on the opt-out list, which you know gets warmer every day from what I hear. And the Texas defense massively improved this season, but you you already mentioned stopping the rush, getting pressure on the quarterback. That is how Texas was able to stay in the game and almost beat Alabama back in September, but it's just not going to matter here. Their coverage is what comes into the handicap here against Washington. 63rd, very poor marks from the linebackers that are now missing Damarian Overshone, 85th and stop. And when he was out this year, he missed a half for targeting, a couple series for injury. Their backups got burnt, burnt bad, and they don't have a lot of depth there. That's why they're going after linebackers very hard in, in uh, recruiting. Yeah. 85th in uh, stopping the big play from the air. Uh, so you can see why, you know, Patterson and Kwiatkowski are going to the going to uh, the portal and recruiting to try to fill these holes. It is, I think, what makes this stuck, what I can sell you on to get you on the Washington side. This is a zone-based defense from Kwiatkowski. Nearly 75% of the snaps this season, Texas has run zone coverage. Wide receiver Rome Oduns for Washington, sixth highest graded target in all of college football, Against zone coverage, Michael Penix Jr. has killed zone coverage. I'm going to be – I'm already on Washington for the full game. I'm going to bet first half money line in this scenario. I probably should take full game money line also. I cannot get over how great Michael Penix Jr. is against zone coverage, which is all Texas runs. He pushed me over the edge. I'm going to be on Washington here. I'll add it here shortly. And I think motivation-wise, too, it's like Texas had aspirations of college football playoff, national title. 
which is why I think you've seen some of these opt-outs. And Washington last year was horrendous. They didn't sniff a, a bowl. Now you get to play Texas uh, in the state of Texas. I think they're going to be really up for this. So, yeah, I agree. And I, how Washington wants to attack, that's how you can attack Texas. And then obviously Texas is going to be missing uh, the best running back in college football, which is just massive. Because if you look at down the stretch in Texas's wins, it's when B. John Robinson went off. Yeah, it's all Huskies there. Enjoy that in prime time on Thursday night. Let's move on to Friday, December 30th. Let's start with the Duke's Mayo Bowl. The Duke's Mayo Bowl. Yum. Have a bite of this uh, sandwich. You're going to kill me. You are going to have to learn to like mayonnaise. No. Duke's Mayo Bowl. Noon Eastern on ESPN between Maryland and NC State. NC State, that's the game's basically a pick over under 47. This game's in Charlotte, North Carolina. So NC State will have a little bit of a, a home field or fan advantage. Um, I, it look, I think Morris is going to start. MJ Morris is going to start for NC State. It could be um, Ben Finley as well. Could see both. Wide receiver Devin Carter also opted out for NC State. And their center, star center Grant Gibson, will miss with an injury. But Maryland's opt-outs are way worse. I mean, wide receiver Rakeem Jarrett, wide receiver Dante Demas, wide receiver Jacob Copeland, all opted out. Massive losses for that passing attack. And then also starting cornerback Deontay Banks. They're starting linebacker Ahmad McCullough is transferring. So they're missing a lot of key pieces. This handicap was simple for me. I took NC State. Um, You know, I think that they're going to be super motivated here. After last year, all they talked about was that bowl that UCLA canceled on them for COVID. And um, I I think they're really going to care. I think they have a coaching advantage. And the defense will be – their defense will be the best unit on the field. I think that's ultimately the difference, especially when you take into account the Maryland receivers, the production of receivers that they're going to be missing. Give me NC State here to pick. I think they win this game. Yeah, I mean, that's – Kind of the conclusion I came to. I haven't put any money down, but I, I think I might hear during the podcast. Talia Tagovailoa runs an offense. It's 49th and third down conversions. That's going to be tough to improve on that number or replicate that number when you've lost Dante Demas, Raheem Jarrett, uh, Jacob Copeland, three of the top five targets on the Maryland roster. Wide receiver Deshaun Jones is still there. He's the next biggest target share. Splits time between slot and wideout, but 1.6 yards per route run. He's not explosive whatsoever. This is not really Rakeem Jarrett and Dante Demas type explosiveness. Now, the offensive line stays intact for Maryland. They lost a blocking tight end, but there could be about 20-plus rushing attempts from Roman Hemby, but there's just no explosiveness there either. Less than three yards after contact. Uh, not elusive. Did, did not, per, you know, I mean, just this is not the Maryland explosiveness that we're used to with the players that are left. NC State defense finished best in the nation in stuff rate, top 10 unit in defensive rushing success rate. Not a lot of first downs given up by the rush of the Wolfpack. And as long as the linebackers, the names that you need to know, as long as they don't opt out here, Drake Thomas, Isaiah Moore, Edge Devin Vance was second on the team in pressures. As long as those names are still on defense, to me, it's an NC State play. Now, the offense, you mentioned MJ Morris, who you know I bet on a few times this, this year. They've just kind of been piecemealing the skill positions through the second half of the season with all of the injuries that they've had. Uh, and, and, you know, the good news is Maryland doesn't generate a lick of havoc near the yep. last and pass rush. The NC State offensive line finished top 30 in pass blocking. That is a huge advantage, whether it's Ben Finley or MJ Morris. So for that reason, Wolfpack all the way here. I agree. All right, let's stay on Friday. Move to a little later in the afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern on CBS. This, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. They're great. Uh, I don't know about if this game's <laughs> going to be there great. The Sun Bowl. In El Paso, Texas, or El Paso, as I like to say, between Pitt and UCLA. UCLA is a four-point favorite here, over under 54. This, by the way, this is this ball will always be near and dear to my heart because I got married on a whim the night before New Year's Eve in uh 2019 we said let's just get married on the beach tomorrow i was watching this bowl game 
with the the we got an efficient to come out. I'm sitting there watching the bowl game with the efficient talking with her. My wife's down on the beach and I get a call like, where are you? And I'm sitting here watching this bowl game and I have money on it. And I think it was Arizona State was playing in it. I went down and the only other people there were my sister and brother-in-law. And I told my brother-in-law, I was like, can you like, give me a nod? And I need, a, I need an update on this game. Like that's, I was paying attention to the Sun Bowl, the Sun Bowl, uh, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. So this will always remind me of my marriage. Right? Isn't that a nice romantic story? Uh, this game will be played in El Paso, Texas. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. All right, this game confuses the hell out of me. This game is very weird. Pitt is now going to be without eight of its best players. Their quarterback, Keaton Slovis, is gone. Uh, their all, unanimous All-American defensive tackle, Cansey, is out. Their strong safety, Brandon Hill, out. These are all opt-outs. Their offensive tackle, they're one of their other defensive ends, their star middle linebackers, first team all ACC, Sarasia Dennis, uh, their first team all ACC running back, uh, defensive end John Morgan, another starter. These guys, these are all, these are eight of their best players are out, including their quarterback and their, you know, their whole, basically their whole defensive line, which is the strength of the team. But this line is sitting at four. But I, so is DTR going to play? Is Jake Bobo going to play? Uh, is Charbonnet going to play? I, so I don't know. I mean, if this line's saying that they're not, right? If Pitt's entire team is out, this UCLA is a slammer if their entire team is playing. Right. But this line's saying it's not, but there's mom is the word, but they're practicing. I have no idea what to do with this game. I was pretty hot on the UCLA train in this game until so let's get to that until, I mean, a lot of missing players for Pitt. You mentioned John Morgan. He's going to be playing Arkansas next year on that defense. A huge pull for Sam Pittman in the portal. Um, even all ACC honorable mentioned safety, Brandon Hill is not going to be there for Pitt. And yeah, if Servassier Dennis. Uh, He's a leader uh, of their defense. They're all, yeah. then they're all American defensive tackles out. Yep. Um, and Deslin and Alexander, like all this happened here, like within the last, what, two days, you and I are recording yeah. this. So, I mean, it. In total, I think eight of Pitt's best players and four captains are going to miss this game. Yeah. That's a huge loss. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, this early money that I got in on UCLA, I'm feeling good about it because I've got Zach Charbonnet and I've got DTR. Oh, wait. On on December 16th, DTR cut an interview about how his status, I mean, his body language, he was asked flat out if he's going to opt out. His body language was out of control, like didn't want to face the camera, had his head down. And he goes and he says, "It's it's still to be determined. It's and my body is still nicked up and I'm still figuring out between my agent and the coaching staff about what's best for me. And I'm like, holy shit, there's no way DTR is playing. If the agent and the coaches are having a conversation, I mean, I, I just don't see him playing in this game. And that's when I was like, Urgh. so I got on the action app, put in a bet on, you know, there was steam. So I put in a bet on Pitt, and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with this. Now the UCLA offense at full participation would dominate this pit defense, a uh, second stringers and walk-ons. Without a yeah. doubt, DTR, we, you know, I mean, if without him, we're on to Ethan Garbers, we're on to Chase Griffin, someone from the practice squad to hand it off to Zach Charbonnet. So with all of this noise. Who, who also could not, might not play. Who, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, with all this noise, we don't know about DTR and Charbonnet. We got Pitt just, you know, dropping like flies. Jake first, Bobo, too, he could be out. Yeah. Heard, like... First half under. First half under, that's it. I mean, there's just, I, I think this is going to go on until we get to kick off with the frost flakes and everything in the sun bowl first half under for me. Cause I just don't see, I don't see anything coming out of the pit offense. And you know, I, and I don't see a DTR and Charbonnet, which I, that DTR interview, I was like, there's no way he's playing. So first half under for me before, and I think it's 28, 27 and a half. I, I would go grab that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the market, someone knows that he's out. So uh, I would agree yeah. with you. Tough bowl to cap. All right, let's move on to the, Later in the afternoon, we'll, we'll kick off another bowl game. We'll have two going December 30th on Friday afternoon. This game's at 3.30 Eastern on CBS. It's the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl between South Carolina and Notre Dame. The Gator Bowl. Hell no. Damn alligator bit my hand off. Oh, my God. Yeah. So this game's in Jacksonville, Florida. Should get a really, really good crowd. I think it's sold out. South Carolina and Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a two-point favorite here over under 51 and a half. South Carolina fans excited to be in a bowl in Florida and Notre Dame fans will always travel well, but I don't know if the play, some of the players are not as excited about this because Notre Dame opt-outs drew pine, their quarter starting quarterback hit the transfer portal, their best player tight end, Michael Meyer. He hit, uh, he opted out. 
their best pass rusher is going to go to the NFL. He opted out. And Foskey, I did. It's those are three major pieces. Are you going to get so quarterback questions with Notre Dame? Their original starter, Tyler Bruckner, he was practicing, he's recovering from injury. You also could go Steve Angeli. They've been sharing snaps at quarterback, but obviously the loss of Michael Myers huge. Then you go to South Carolina. Their opt-outs, their top two corners, Camp Smith and Darius Rush. Their safety, Devonnie Reed, although he was bad this year. They're out. D- defensive tackle, Zach Pickens. Their starting right tackle, who's really good, Dylan Wanham, he's out. Marshawn Lloyd, their best running back, he's out. Their running back slash tight end, Jaheim Bell, arguably their best offensive player, he's out. Tight end, Austin Stogner, starting tight end, he's out. Uh, Josh Van has suffered an uh, injury. Their wide receiver, he's out. Uh, so, I mean, that's a Christian, lot of missing pieces. Yeah, yeah Christian, Christian Beal Smith, uh, RJ Roderick, another defensive back. So, South Carolina did finish the season. They beat, they were the first team ever, I think, to beat two top 10 teams. They won as 23 and 14 point underdogs against Tennessee and Clemson. And Shane Bieber, for what it's worth, he's 4 0 against the spread with extra time to repair, covering by 24 points per game. He has four outright wins as three, four, 13 and 17 point underdogs won them all. Um, so we're unsure who's going to call plays for South Carolina. That's another thing. Their offensive coordinator's gone. So I played South Carolina plus three and a half. Another thing to and Notre Dame's been bad as a favorite all year. Michael Myers, a huge loss. The quarterback question with Notre Dame. And, and South Carolina, by the way, is the best special teams in the, in the country by far. And that has won them some games this year. Could win them this game. But I am now worried with all these opt-outs on the South Carolina defense, and the South Carolina defense is very bad against the run. Is Notre Dame just going to be able to line up here, hand it off, uh, you know, and run down their throats? And their the South Carolina defense, 125th in line yards, 131st in passing down sack rate. That is not good against this Notre Dame offensive line. So I took three and a half with South Carolina originally. This is pre. This is the risk you take. This is when Meyer was opted. I knew Meyer was going to opt out, and Pine hit the transfer portal. But now you have this flood of South Carolina transfers. Hmm. I'm tempted to come back for a little bit on Notre Dame. Hopefully, and maybe this ends three because I am nowhere close as confident in South Carolina. I just keep thinking that Notre Dame's going to come out here and just run down their throat all game. What are your thoughts here? Exactly. We mentioned so many variables in this game with so many missing players but what we did not mention stuck was the notre dame offensive line and running backs that is intact that is stable and that group dominated the second half of the schedule audrick estimate came on strong at the end of the season logan Diggs was a consistent 15 to 20 carries per game this notre dame ground attack can put it on you if you can't defend it and south carolina finished bottom five nationally in the trifecta of rush defense stats, rushing success rate, line yard, stuff rate, South Carolina doesn't have it. And now they're missing a ton of production on the defensive side of the ball. Notre Dame and the under are the look with the Irish ground game, the South Carolina lack of playmakers on the outside. Uh, this tip ball drill that Spencer uh, Rattler has been able to run on offense is just not going to be there. That's how they won those underdog spots. So, yeah, I I, I mean, I see two and a half is on the board. Probably see if I can catch a cheap money line. I think really what I would like is to see if Tyler Buckner is not healthy. He's called out. I get further South Carolina steam and a better money line number when really it's just going to be handing the ball off. I don't think there's going to be any passing game from Notre Dame whatsoever. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I'm probably going to get off this. Maybe I'll take the money line and then hope for a uh, – because I have three and a half and hope that it Notre Dame by three – and sometimes in these bowl games, you know, you might go for two, one or one or two. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up buying off because I just think that's what it's going to end up being. Notre Dame running the ball and these South Carolina opt-outs are big. And then, you know, they're starting right tackles out now, your best running back, um, your tight ends. Their tight ends were so big. Gene Bell was one of, like, they would use him all over. Uh, both their tight ends are out. Your right tackle, your star running back, your receivers out. It's bad. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for Beamer, but uh, this is going to be a lot to overcome. Should be an under game too. I, I mean, yeah. I'm surprised I've not seen the market go on the under unless I mean South Carolina is not going to give up huge explosive runs. And that's really not Notre Dame's game. Notre Dame is more more about moving the chains with the run. So I, I would think the under would would catch some catch some market movement here uh, leading up to the game. I would agree. All right, let's close up here with one final bowl on 
our part three preview. Wyoming taking on Ohio. Ohio, one-point favorite here, over under 43. This is the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl in Tucson, Arizona. The Arizona Bowl. Arizona, and that'll do it. You do not want to see it end with, with this type of uh, display. This game's Friday, December 30th, 4.30 Eastern on Barstool. Ohio, I mean, look, their star quarterback is arguably one of the most productive quarterbacks in the country this year. Curtis Work is out, out for the year. That's it for the Ohio news. As now. The Wyoming news is is crazy. <laughs> uh, their top four backs, are, I think, are out. Top four. If Swen and Brash at the portal, and then their uh, third and fourth string are hurt. They're, you know, Keontae Glinton got hurt early in the year. Their corner, he's in the portal. Their other best corner, Cam Stone, he's in the portal. Their best edge rusher, Omatosha, he's in the portal. Their only best good receiver, Josh Cobbs, is in the portal. And, I mean, he had, what, like 35 catches. The next receiver had, like, 20. Um, they're starting defensive tackle. Cole uh, Godbout missed the past six games. He's out. Um, and, look, Wyoming can't throw the ball at all. Now they're going to be down Cobbs. Ohio's run D has been solid and improved as the year went on. Uh, so I, I don't know how Wyoming's going to move the ball. And then, look, they're missing a lot of key pieces on defense, but Ohio has their backup quarterback. The only team, bowl teams that Wyoming beat was Utah State with their four-string quarterback and then just Air Force, who they match up well with. Their other wins were pretty poverty. And they were yeah. four and one and one possession games. But Ohio, the only wins outside the MAC, which I thought was weak this year, was Fordham and FAU in by, by like six points total in shootouts. So I don't know what to make of this game. Um, I kind of lean under, but I, I just hate going under in these low totals and bowls. And Craig Bowl, as the name suggests, is a, he owns bowls. He's I think eleven and three against the spread in bowl games. I'm I'm struggling with this one because I wanted to fade the MAC, but Ohio is one team I believed in, and that their defense started to improve. And the Wyoming losses are significant, and they can't throw the ball. You lost your top receiver, and now you're down your top four running backs. Like, I, yeah, what, what makes sense of this one? Well, first off, Craig Bowl is an unbelievable coach, especially getting something out of nothing. This is a team that we've bet on earlier this season when they've been depleted with injuries and they find a way to win. Uh, and, and, you know, I think they lost by three to Boise State in a game where their quarterback went three of 16. It was like their four string quarterback. I think <laughs> went three of 16 for 30 yards and three picks. And they lost 20 to 17. This is like some Zach Wilson Thursday night football numbers that we got going on here. Listen, I, as I get into this, I have to throw it out there. As we're recording this, the Mountain West is four and one in bowls. I thought we were going to be hating on the Mountain West in the bowl season because of how poor half that league is. Yeah, they're four and one, and you know I think that you take that into account and realize what Wyoming was able to do in that conference. As far as the Ohio quarterback, C.J. Harris is going to be the quarterback again. This, I mean, this is Stuck's team. This Ohio team is Stuck's team. But we know he is not a scrambler. He was lit up by the Toledo defense in the MAC championship game for four turnover-worthy plays. And, you know, Wyoming finished with much better numbers against the pass than they did against the rush. They were top 25 in limiting explosiveness and standard downs. And that's where I think Wyoming is going to have a huge advantage on defense, not just against C.J. Harris, but Sierra Bangura becomes the most important piece to the Ohio offense. And Bangura was shut down for the final two games against Bowling Green and Toledo uh, from an average yards per carry perspective. He returned from injury. He just wasn't the same. So I'm not sure Ohio has anything offensively to get some points up on the board. You go to the other side of the ball, Wyoming, the heavy rush team, but we Titus Swin, every single running back, I believe, is off the board here. All that's left after injury and portal 25 designed run attempts from quarterback Andrew Peasley. That's it. That's all we have from a running perspective. So there's and not there a only single... good receivers out. Yes, there's not a single rushing attempt on the current running back depth chart. And but listen, Ohio cannot defend the pass. They're outside the top 100 and everything. So maybe Peasley is throwing here. Uh, but, but to who? The and they can't throw. I, I mean, Wyoming was a bottom five passing offense. And Peasley hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since week six, right? <laughs> I mean, that I was, I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, I think there's a little bit of blind faith in Craig Bowl. There's a little bit of blind faith in the Mountain West. But I, I think that this is a win. A first half under has to be in play here. That number is crumbling. I think you got to get that in the market early if you can. Uh, I played Wyoming, and I did that before all these opt-outs on the running back depth chart, but I'm sticking with it. Uh, you know, It's a little bit of blind faith, but, hey, there's no way 
we are not betting on every single bowl and bowl season. So that that's definitely the way we're going. If you don't bet on a bowl, does the bowl even exist? I'm going to bet the under. We haven't talked about unders enough. I hate going under these low totals, but I'm doing it here. I'm going under. <laughs> yep. Under 43. I'm locking it in. All right. That's 11 bowls covered in a little over an hour. And uh, part four will be coming out this Wednesday, December 28th. We will cover the Orange Bowl, which is on Friday night, December 30th. And then we'll cover the rest of the weekend, including the college football playoff, into the New Year's Day Bowls, just the rest of the slate. Can't wait for that. Uh, We've one final order of business today. That's just our favorite bet from this batch of bowls. I will start things off. I'm going to go with Kansas. Give me Kansas plus the points against Arkansas. I think all the Arkansas opt-outs are going to catch up to them here. Should be a high-scoring game. Arkansas will get its fair share of points. But I think the Kansas offense and all of that misdirection, I'm going to trust Lance Leopold here in a very motivated Kansas team. On top of all that, Colin's not going to the bowl, <laughs> which is all the signal you need about uh, his confidence in Arkansas here. Uh, Colin, where are you going for your favorite bet? I'm going to go to the Alamo Bowl, Washington and Texas. I'm going to take the Huskies here. I've backed a lot of first-year coaches in these bowl games. I'm not stopping here with Kalen DeBoer. No Bajon Robinson and Roshan Johnson running for Texas here. They're going to have to lean on Quinn Ewers' arm. I'm not sure that's a great idea. Washington is going to have no resistance in running their offense here. This Texas defense runs zone coverage. Michael Penix Jr., Washington, their wide receivers absolutely obliterate zone coverage. Give me Washington. Give me the Huskies first half money line. Give me the points while I, before it crumbles down below three. Maybe they win this outright. I'm sure we can get some money on that too, but I love Washington here. Yeah, and plus the strength of the Texas defense, their run defense, what well, doesn't really matter here against Washington, one of the most pass-heavy teams in the country. I'll be adding the Huskies with you. All right, that'll do it for us. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Thanks to Colin, as always, for joining me. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Hope you have a great holiday season. Remember, part four is coming. College football playoff. Still a lot of money to be made. Let's close out bowl season strong. Good luck on all of your wagers. And we will catch you all next time. Cheers. Peace out. It's the most wonderful time. It's the most wonderful time, oh, the most wonderful time of the year. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.